I have been waiting to share this series with you for seven and a half years. And every once in a while, something comes along that's so revolutionary that will change everything. I, I love Steve Jobs' keynotes that he'd do. I love his ruthless determinism, determination, there we go. I even made that word more simple. To make things simple. He even dressed simple. I feel really awkward right now, <laughs> not wearing a belt. <laughs> but I, I thought a lot about this little contraption here. It, it, it is a phone, it's a music player, and it's also a computer. All in one. And here's the amazing thing, if, if you have one of these smartphones and you have an iPhone, you, you open the box and instead of a fat instruction manual that we've had for years with every complex technological gadget we've ever been given, you open it up and there was nothing. Nothing but a flat screen and one, I repeat, one button. You know, the first time I got an iPod, it actually stressed me out to look at it and to see only one button. I mean, I grew up in the generation where we ran around with these huge cassette players on our leg and, and, and would push, and then I actually ran with a CD player around for a while, which was trying to spin, you know. And, and so when I got an iPod and it had one button, I was blown away. But here's the most amazing thing to me, is that at two years old, my children who can't even talk in paragraphs were able to grab this and flip through it and navigate it. And instead of their favorite toy being Legos, their favorite toy became Daddy's iPhone. Two years old. And, and this was Steve Jobs' desire. He had this focus on making things simple. He said, in fact, the highest form of sophistication is simplicity. And so he had this passion, it started early on, I'm going to un-Steve Jobs myself, but he had this desire from early on for children to be able to operate his products, for them to be that simple. And so there's this story, I just watched one of the, one of the um, documentaries on him where he goes to the late John Lennon's home, to Yoko Ono's home, and they're having a birthday party for her son, and they pull out the first Apple, you know, that first boxy Mac, and the kid, a young child, is actually able to draw on it with Apple Draw, and he is so excited, and the party comes around because a child is using a computer. Guys, when Jesus came to change the world, he gave us the most simple command, and it was this, go and make Go and make. But you see, the church, we've tried to make things so complex. We've tried every other way. We have conventions and conglomerations and conclaves and conferences. We have benefits and, and, and breakfasts. We, we try everything to change the world except this one very simple method that Jesus gave us. If you look with me in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, this is known as the great 
commission. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We'd love to hand you one. We'd love to give you one. Jesus said this, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Leave that up there for a second because I want to highlight one phrase. If you had to boil discipleship down to one phrase, it's this. It's teaching them to obey. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey. Discipleship is teaching them to obey. It's I, I, I had the chance this past week to be with our friend Francis Chan down in Mexico. And, um, and speaking of, can I just step aside and do a little Mexico infomercial? Come to Mexico with us. It is going to be awesome. Here, here's what they say. They say the healthiest families are ones that go on vacations together. And people go, oh gosh, I can't afford a vacation. And No, they actually say that the best way a family can vacation together and grow close together is camping. Oh, some of you guys are freaking out right now. Okay, now listen, the reason it's camping is because the whole family comes together around a purpose and everyone has roles and everyone contributes to the goal. That's why camping trips are so impacting. That's what our Mexico mission trip is like. It's like camping in a four-star hotel. Now, the reason I say it's like camping is this, because we all, we go down and we worship together and we hear teachings together that are transformative and then we, we pray for each other and then we go and serve together. We serve orphans together and, and help with their orphanages and then in the, in the evenings we go out on the streets and we do our different jobs, our, our drum line, our dance team, our drama team, our evangelism team. We pray for the sick. Incredible things are happening. You want to be a part of the family. You, you want to be on the family vacation. Don't miss the family vacation. It's what transforms our lives. And if you've been before, then come again for someone else. Ooh, that's un-American. Come again for someone else. I didn't even get one laugh. I, it, you're, we, 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 the family is going to Mexico. And here's the most amazing thing. We're going to plant a church we're, we, we, were just, we were just down there last year. We took over 450 people. We're going to plant a church together. We're going to see. We saw hundreds of people say, but this time we're going to say, and here's your church, and we're going to point, and there's going to be a gathering that starts. That last night of our Mexico trip is the first night of our all-peoples Tijuana campus. Wow. So back to the sermon. I was with Francis Chan this week, and um, I love what Francis says. He's, he's, he's just burning for discipleship. And he gave this illustration. He, he, he said, you know uh, the game Simon Says? If you've ever played Simon Says, let me just see your hand so I know that you know what I'm talking about. Okay, half the church was so deprived as children. You didn't, here's, here's Simon Says, if you don't know. Uh, we have this silly game in America that's called Simon Says. And if you say Simon Says, do this. Like Simon Says, hop on your foot. What do you do? You start hopping on your foot. Simon says, scratch your head. You start scratching your head. Whatever Simon says, you do. So he said, isn't that interesting that in the church, when Jesus says something, that we see it totally different? Like when Jesus says something, we don't do it, and instead we have this kind of thought. And he gave this illustration 
of, of his daughter. So here's my daughter. Hallie, raise your hand, sweetheart. Right there. Oh, wow, that bold, bold. There we go. Okay, on the front row, she's like, Daddy. Um, so I say, Hallie, go and clean your room. So Hallie walks off towards her room, and she comes back an hour later, and she's like, Dad, guess what? I'm like, what? She goes, I memorized what you said. You said, Hallie, go clean your room. Ha, look, I can say it. Hallie, go clean your room. Um, okay, well, that's cool, Hallie. But that, yeah. And then she goes, but Dad, listen, I actually studied it in Greek. I studied Hallie, go clean your room in Greek. And did you know that the Greek of to clean means to organize, to bring order out of chaos, to expel dirt from an area? That's what it means in Greek, Dad. And I'm like, um, okay, well, that's... Um, you following me, guys? <laughs> and, then she, and I'm like, well, but Hallie, I said go clean your room. She goes, I know, Dad. And so what I did is I gathered my friends into a small group. And we talked about what it would look like if I ever cleaned my room. Well, Hallie, and she goes, no, 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 wait, Dad, but I, we didn't finish there. At the end of our small group, everyone laid hands on me and prayed that someday I might actually clean my room. And then I'm like, okay, Hallie, but I, I meant, and she goes, no, but Dad, one more thing. I just signed up for the room cleaning conference. It's coming to the convention center. They're bringing in the biggest speakers, and they're going to talk about room cleaning. <laughs> Hallie, um, all I wanted you to do was actually go and, like, make your bed and pick up the stuff on your... <laughs> Have you ever thought, like, that's what we do with Jesus' teachings? For some reason, when Jesus says something, we're like, okay, I've got to memorize that. That's what I've got to memorize and say it, and then I'm going to get my group on Wednesday night, and we're going to say it to each other, and then we're going to, and then we're going to go to a big conference, and we're going to jump around like, Jesus, yes, and then, but what, are we cleaning our room? And discipleship is all about learning to obey what Jesus said. There's a reason why the church in America is not transforming lives, and it's because we do everything but actual discipleship. And then when we finally say, let's do discipleship, then we talk about a discipleship class, or we talk about a discipleship program, but that's not Jesus' discipleship. Jesus' discipleship was life on life, a person meeting with another person, a person meeting with several other people, and actually modeling how to do the kingdom. And, and then it was meeting back and, and holding each other accountable to, to how to live out the kingdom. And then it was following up and saying, hey, did you do it? Okay, well, let's walk through it. And, let's, and that's how the world has changed. That's how the world is transformed when we actually start making disciples. I am... Um, had this privilege uh, of coming from an amazing church. Now, ha have you heard of um, the 80-20 rule? Anybody heard of the 80-20 rule? Yeah, it's, if you've been in the church for a while, you've probably heard of this. It's a, it's a very sad fact. In the normal American church, 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. And only 20% of American Christians actually tithe 
They, they actually give their 10% of their finances to the storehouse of God, and, and, and even less are giving to missions. And in the average church, there's only 20% that are actually serving. Uh, there's a very low percentage of people that are involved in small groups. Now, the amazing thing is, we saw something totally different happening at the church that I, I was a college pastor at, and I actually grew up in, called Antioch. And here's the secret. The secret was hedgehogs. Do you know what a hedgehog is? Do you have a picture of a hedgehog? Let's, uh, let's put the picture of a hedgehog up. I'm not a hedgehog. That's a hedgehog. <laughs> what kind of cruel joke is that? <laughs> I'll put the ball guy up there with the big furry. Okay. Um, a hedgehog. Here, here, Jim Collins in his book, Good to Great, he says the greatest companies determine their hedgehog concepts. And it comes from this Greek parable that the fox knows many thing, many things, but the hedgehog knows one big thing. A fox knows many things, but a hedgehog knows one big thing. And so let me read to you this discourse on the hedgehog. The fox is a cunning creature able to devise a myriad of complex strategies for sneak attacks upon the hedgehog. Day in and day out, the fox circles around the hedgehog's den, waiting for the perfect moment to pounce. Fast, sleek, beautiful, fleet of foot, and crafty, the fox looks for the sure winner. The hedgehog, on the other hand, is a dowdier creature, looking like a genetic mix-up between a porcupine and a small armadillo. He waddles along, going about his simple day, searching for lunch and taking care of his home. The fox waits in cunning silence at the conjuncture of the trail. The hedgehog, minding his own business, wanders right into the path of the fox. Aha, I've got you now, thinks the fox. He leaps out, bounding across the ground, lightning fast. The little hedgehog, sensing danger, looks up and thinks, here we go again. Will he ever learn? And rolling up into a perfect little ball, the hedgehog becomes a spear of sharp spikes pointing outward in all directions. The fox, bounding towards his prey, sees the hedgehog defense and not wanting to get pricked, calls off the attack, retreating back into the forest. The fox begins to calculate a new line of attack. Each day, some version of this battle between the hedgehog and the fox takes place. And despite the greater cunning of the fox, the hedgehog always wins. The good to great companies of our nation have determined their hedgehog concept and said, we're going to get one thing and we're going to be really good at it and we're going to do it over and over and over again. Guys, I think that the American church is like a fox. We're fast. We're sleek. We're cunning. We've always got a new strategy. But my question is, are we really changing society? Jesus wants us to be a hedgehog. And so at Antioch, we determined this is our hedgehog. Discipleship is our hedgehog. We're going to do discipleship. We're going to make disciples, and we're going to train disciples to make disciples. And what happened? All those percentages got turned upside down, and you have a church where hundreds of people are going to the nations, and, and hundreds of people are making disciples, and the majority of people are learning to share the gospel. The majority of people are praying. You've, you've got transformation. Why? Because we're doing it Jesus' way. Jesus said, go and make disciples. We've been in a series for the last several weeks 
on making disciples. We're calling it Discipleship Revolution, and I'm just loving getting texts from people. I'm loving getting pictures sent from people, and they're so excited because they're actually starting to do this. I mean, there's just something in us that when we actually start doing what Jesus commands, that we come alive because he knows what's best for us. And so I got this text on, on, on Wednesday after I uh, did this small group, and one of the guys, uh, we commissioned the guys to go out and initiate discipleship relationships. I, I got this text from one guy said, hey, I asked this guy if I could disciple him, and he said yes, and he goes, got a live one on our hands. It's like, I love it. He was getting it. I, I want to demonstrate just how simple this is. We talked two weeks ago about praying that we'd We'd actually make disciples. We talked last week about finding your first disciple and how to find them. This week, we're talking about starting your first discipleship revelation, discipleship relationship. And I want to take you into something that happened Thursday so you can, you can just see how easy this is. Hey, bro. Hey, bro. How you doing? Good, dude. Good. Awesome. Yeah. How's your week been? It's been good, dude. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, solid week. It's been a great week. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, what do you think about that discipleship series that's going on in church? Dude, I love it. What Robert's saying about discipleship is legit. I've never heard it before. Yeah, it's been awesome. Awesome. Hey, would you want to get together sometime and just talk more about discipleship? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. It'd be awesome. Hey, I mean, you have time tomorrow over at that Starbucks right by Point Loma, maybe at 12 o'clock? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm on the cost tomorrow, so that'd be fun. Great, yeah. bro. I'd love to do that. I would love that. Let's go for it. Wow. Powerful. Did you see that, guys? It's that simple, right? It's just bringing up something. So here we are, discipleship, relationship. This is Mark. This is Ryan. And you saw how it started. Mark just brings up, hey, have you been hearing this series or we're in a series at church talking about discipleship? Is that something you're interested in talking about? Let's meet up. And so, ladies and gentlemen, Mark and Ryan. Now, if you got a bulletin, will you take out the discipleship lesson, please, for us? In your bulletin was a discipleship lesson. And this is a simple tool we're using to begin discipleship relationships. Now, I'm just going to have Mark show you by modeling how he's going to begin this and go through this with Ryan. So, Mark, take it away. Well, thanks for meeting with me today, Ryan. Sure, man. Uh, I just wanted to start talking about discipleship by going through lesson one together. Would you want to do that? Sure, yeah. Great. Go ahead and just read the uh, top part under why discipleship for me. Okay. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Great. Well, it says the primary reason for discipleship is that Jesus told us to go and make disciples. Yes. <laughs> so let's write that in together. We got a live one here, folks. 
It says, when commanding us to make disciples, Jesus also told us how. He instructed us to blank them, to blank everything he commanded. Teach them to obey everything he commanded. Right. So, how did Jesus start his discipleship relationship? Okay, let's just pause here for a second. So, we're just using this tool, which is going to go through the Bible and explain discipleship to people. But here's the thing. You might not always, you're like, well, I, I'm meeting with this person. Oh, I forgot my sheet. I, I, I don't know what to do. Well, that's why we have these. And this week, I want to introduce you to some powerful technology that we've created to have discipleship tools in your hands at all times. Can we go ahead and show our preview video of the new app we've created for disciple making? Make Disciples is a new piece of technology that comes in the form of an app for your mobile phone that will assist you in your journey of making disciples. You can sign in, create a profile, even read some chapters of Robert Herbert's book, Changing the World Through Discipleship. To begin your discipleship journey, simply log in, create a profile, and sit down with another person for the purposes of discipleship. You can choose through one of our many discipleship lessons and begin it with a Bible or even just reading the Bible through the app on your phone. You'll be able to fill in the blanks for certain responses and discuss your answers with the person you are meeting with for discipleship. Through the simplicity of the app, you'll be able to disciple someone anywhere without having to have a pen or paper on hand. As you scroll to the bottom of each lesson, there is also an opportunity to write down your practical responses so you can be sure to respond to what you are learning through discipleship. To learn more, download paper lessons or test drive the app, visit makedisciples.me. Isn't that awesome? So, for some of you that are extremely techie, you were just trying to get it on the App Store. We're actually waiting for it to be released with Apple this week. But here's what you can do. If you have an iPhone, you have an Android, you can open up your browser and go to makedisciples.me. If we can put that web address up. This is the online version. So if you have accessibility to the internet, you'll always have accessibility to our life group lessons at makedisciples.me. Makedisciples.me. You'll go to the lessons and boom, you have not only lesson one, but lessons one through ten. So back to you guys. Let's keep going. Why don't you read the next section for us, Ryan? Okay. Initiating a discipleship relationship. Luke 6, 12 through 13. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Great. First, Jesus went out to pray. Correct. In order to start a God-ordained discipleship relationship, we should pray. It doesn't have to be over a long period of time. Jesus simply prayed for one night. Go ahead and read the second part. Okay. Secondly, he called uh, his disciples. Yes. You want me to read the next part? Go ahead. Okay. Um, we must clearly call someone to meet with us in discipleship. We can't assume that a person understands what we are doing without us making it clear. Jesus was clear with people. Below is a sample call to discipleship. I'll read that. Okay. Jesus taught us to go and make disciples. Discipleship is simply helping one another, helping another person grow in their faith and learning to obey Jesus. I want to invite you into that type of relationship with me. 
So now we will pause here to discuss this together. <laughs> I wanted to pause here so that we could discuss this part. Uh, together? Together. <laughs> I wanted to invite you into discipleship relationship with me. And I wanted to begin discipling you so that we can together help grow each other in our faith and learning to obey Jesus. Would I be able to start discipling you? Yeah, sure. Yeah, that'd be fun. Great. Okay. Now, some of you going, are saying, that is so painfully simple. <laughs> exactly. Here's a mistake I made. I, I had been discipled by a guy named Mark Masterson for a few months, and he had challenged me to disciple others. So I went and initiated with a guy named Van to disciple him, except I didn't tell him what I was doing. <laughs> so we met for several months together, and one evening... We were at a party, and there in the kitchen of the house was Mark Masterson, myself, and Van, the guy I was discipling. Well, Van says to Mark, he goes, Mark, I've heard you talk about discipleship. That's something I'd really like. I want to be discipled. Mark, would you disciple me? I'm discipling Van. I'm standing in between them. And so I went like this. I'm an idiot. Mark looks at Van and says, Van, that's awesome that you're excited about discipleship. Robert here is actually discipling you. That's why he's been meeting with you every week for the last three months. <laughs> so I think you guys should continue on meeting. And Van went, okay, that's cool. Walked off. And I looked at Mark and said, I'm an idiot. He said, no, you're not an idiot, but you do need to call someone into discipleship and explain to them what you're actually doing. So that's why we actually have this time in this sheet. It's actually walking someone through discipleship. It's walking someone through beginning this relationship. And then there's a place where you can say, is that something you're interested in? Now, here's what could happen. And this is what's freaking some of you out. They could say no. Let me just tell you this. I, I have had so many people through the years, reject me in discipleship. I've had people walk away. I've had people even betray me that I had walked with and poured my life into. But if you notice, I'm still happy. <laughs> in fact, I'm more convinced that discipleship is the way to change the world than ever before. The worst that can happen is the person says no. But you, when you're initiating, you've been obedient to Jesus. Let's keep going. I'll read the next part. Uh, Mark three thirteen through 14. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. So thirdly, Jesus clarified what they would be doing. First, to be blank him. With? Yes. Him. And next, to go out to? Preach. Great. Now, before you freak out about the word preach, the word preach in Greek here is herpazo, which is different than what I'm doing here. It's basically sharing the message of Jesus. And that's what we're training people to do. Discipleship is about being with someone and about training them to simply give away what they receive. Keep going, Mark. 
So if you'll see on the other side of the page, we must clarify what we are calling someone to do. Discipleship includes spending time with one another through a consistent discipleship meeting, trying to obey the Bible by doing what Jesus' disciples did. An important step to clarifying discipleship is determining the day, time, and place of your meeting. Here's a sample clarification. Please commit to meeting with me weekly so that we can grow in our relationship with Jesus and be used by him. We will meet on Sundays at 11 a.m. Okay. <laughs> okay, so see what he's doing? He's just clarifying and talking about a meeting. I'm a little upset that they're going to miss church from now on. But he's, he's clarifying what he wants him to do. Let's, let's skip down. So we talked about the first three steps. Now, let's move on to 2 Timothy 2.2. Can you read that caption before 2 Timothy 2.2 and then have Ryan read that for us, Mark? Uh, the Apostle Paul showed that discipleship does not go just from the teacher to pupil or disciple to disciple, but actually should be multiplied to others as well. Go ahead. Okay. Um, 2 Timothy 2.2. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So Paul wrote this verse above to his disciple, Timothy. This verse shows four generations of disciples. First, me, Paul. Second, you, Timothy. Third, reliable people, Timothy's disciples. Fourth, others, those whose Timothy's disciples will disciple. So just pause here for a second. Guys, this is something that's so important that I want you to lock into. I want you to get this right here. This is the difference between mentoring and discipleship. Now, I, I love it when churches start mentoring. They're getting more biblical. There is counsel that comes. There's wisdom that comes from counsel. But that's not what Jesus was saying in his great commission, go and be mentors. No, he says, go and make disciples. And intrinsic in disciple-making is it being passed from one generation to another, to another, to another. Paul says, and the things that you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who also be qualified to teach others. So he's saying, me, Paul, giving to you, Timothy, to reliable people, to others. The difference between mentoring and discipling is mentoring is relational Discipleship is generational. It goes to generations. So if Mark is discipling Ryan, he's not just meeting with him, but he's training Ryan to then invest in someone else. And Ryan's not just investing in them, but he's training this person then to invest in someone else. And it becomes like a snowball in the kingdom that just picks up speed and picks up steam. It becomes like an infectious disease that just starts spreading. Are you following me? So the question isn't, have you made a disciple? The question is, are you making disciples who make disciples who make disciples? That's what we're going for here. Go ahead. If we are to imitate New Testament discipleship, it must be reproducible. A true disciple will become a discipler, him slash herself. The discipleship relationship is not a teacher-to-pupil relationship. Instead, a goal of discipleship is to equip the disciple to disciple others. Okay, so let's just stop here. This is why we have this 
super reproducible tool. Let me just ask you, is a worksheet discipleship? No, this is discipleship. It's relationship. It's person to person, person meeting with person. But this is a reproducible tool that makes something simple. And now I want you to watch the power of this tool as we skip down to the bottom and go to the little gray box on the bottom right-hand corner. If you'd look at that and watch what Mark does with this. Well, now that we finished the paper, let's go to the box at the bottom that says practical response. It says, write down the names of those you are considering inviting to discipleship. So, Ryan, who are you thinking of discipling? You know, I think I could disciple a guy named Jack. Okay. Yeah. Great. Let's write that name down. Okay. And, Ryan, when can you invite them to discipleship? I think he's here, actually. <laughs> we'll just meet after or something. Okay, yeah. that sounds So just great. stop right here. <laughs> Let me just take you into my own life. I, I, I called together at the beginning of the fall. I'm like, God, I want to really invest in some, some incredible leaders. I called together a discipleship group, a leader's discipleship group is what I called it. And I'd spend an hour... Each week, I, I'm, I'm giving them some of the best leadership tips I have, stuff I got from Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, stuff I got from spiritual leadership, things I've learned through the years, just pouring in these guys. We were having a great time. I was loving it. They were loving it. But I got to the end of this time, and I realized, I don't think these guys are pouring it into other guys. I think they're just coming to this group and receiving. So then with these incredible guys... I said, you know what, let's do something painfully simple. And we started this semester just with this little lesson right here. And knowing that it was going to be, gosh, overly simplistic. But the power is, we got to this little gray box at the end. And we got to the little gray box and said, guys, who are people that you could invite into discipleship? And I said, you know, this is kind of awkward for me to challenge. Let, let me just tell you, I'm a pastor. I'm in front of people all the time. It's awkward for me to make a personal challenge to someone else. But it's not hard when it's this little sheet doing it for me. So, you know, I'm like, hey, guys, let's just look at this little box right here. And it says, um, write down the names of those that you're considering to disciple others. You know, you're, you're inviting to discipleship. So, um, you know, what do you all think about this little sheet? You see, it put all the pressure on the sheet. And I just went, yeah, yeah I mean, you just, let's just follow the sheet. And all of a sudden, they're writing down people's names. And I said, okay, guys, this is so awkward for me, but um, uh, when can you invite them? And they, they go around the circle, and they're like, well, I'll do it, you know, at the end of this week. Well, I'm going to meet with this guy this time. And they start saying it. And then I said, okay, guys, this, is, this, this is, makes me cringe, but are you okay with me asking you next week? If you did this, and you know, because it's a room of guys, they're like, yeah, yeah, man, no problem. Go ahead and ask me. In one week, we go around the room, and everyone had initiated with someone. Why? Because it's a reproducible tool that's actually holding someone accountable. Guys, we give so much information in the American church, but we never actually hold people accountable to do what they said to do. And so we start holding people accountable, and guess what happens? They do it. Why? Because it's so easy. Anyone can do this. Let's give these guys a hand. 
So let me just start bringing us to a close here. You can do this. You can do this. Let me just say, you're, you're, you're not too young to do this. We have youth doing this. I, I, I came around uh, the, the corner for our 6.30 service last week. And I, I walk up and I see Nay sitting uh, sitting there with, with a group of friends, and, and, and Nay got his life radically changed and really committed his life to Jesus through our, our, our refugee Christmas giveaway uh, a while back. And uh, there he is, handsome guy. Uh, Nay, Nay is Corinne from Myanmar, and Nay is sitting down on the lawn with nine Corinne youth around him. They're all speaking in Corinne. And he and another one of our youth leaders has started a discipleship group. You're never too young to do this. Now, some, some of you would say, yeah, you know, if I was 18 and I was from, you know, Myanmar, if I was Corinne, I could do this too. <laughs> but you're like, you know, I, I think I'm too old to do this. I don't, I don't, think, I could, I don't think I could do this. this. You know, this seems like a new thing. Well, let me just show you a picture of Jimmy. Jimmy, this past week at our leaders meeting, he, he's always standing out in front as one of our greeters. I love this guy. And, and, and Jimmy's uh, in his 60s. I believe he's 62. And, and, and Jimmy said, you know, for 40 years I've been in the church. For 40 years I've been a believer, and I've never been discipled, and I've never made disciples. And this guy wasn't one of those sit on the back row, come every once in a while. This guy, from the beginning, just jumps in wholeheartedly. And I'm just thinking, shame on us, American church, for not doing what Jesus told us to do. So it was two weeks ago that we preached our first message on discipleship that Jimmy stands up and he's like, gosh, I want to do this. And then another man walks up to him, Steve. Can we put Steve up there? And Steve went, kaboom, Jimmy. No, <laughs> he didn't. But it's just a great picture. He, uh, he came up and said, he said, Jimmy, hey, have you ever been discipled? Jimmy says, no. He goes, well, I'd love to initiate that with you. And Jimmy was so excited because now he knows I'm going to be trained to make disciples. Now, some people say, but I'm, I'm too busy. You don't understand my schedule. If I told you how much Steve Fox works, it would make you cry. He's a COO of a defense contracting company. The reason he has time to disciple is not because he has a lot of time to sit around. It's because he's prioritized this. Because he said, obeying Jesus is important to me. And so I'm going to fit this in. I, I haven't seen a guy that works more than this guy. But he's, he is making time because he says, I want to be like Jesus. I want to prioritize what Jesus does. And I know this is going to change the world. So they're meeting this way. You know, sometimes we think, well... You know, the season of life I'm in, I, I can't do this. I just can't, I can't figure it out. Can we put Tiffany up there? You know, I, so, sometimes you young moms, you're like, hey, I, I just don't see how I could make this happen. First of all, let me just say to all young moms out there, we're not worthy. We are not worthy of what, of, of what you're doing. But here's what Tiffany said. She's like, I'm just going to strap this baby on my back. And, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the park. And, and while I'm... I'm feeding and clean and changing a poopy diaper. I'm going to make disciples. Okay, we just got to get over that it's going to look perfect and we're going to be sitting perfect at Starbucks with our perfect frothy latte and however you can do it. Just do it. But so Tiffany's making disciples. Some of our greatest disciple makers are young moms with tons of kids and their kids are just going crazy and they wipe this nose and they change this diaper while they're talking to someone. You can do it. And then I, I, I love... 
I love her, her husband, Ricky. He, he's one that I sent, a, sent me a picture this week because in life group, you know, sometimes we think, but everyone around me is older. And, and we get in this idea that it's going to be Paul, you know, the 70-year-old spiritual giant, and Timothy, the brand new person in faith. But, but, but no, I, I love this. And, and Daniel came up to me after the last service. He's like, man, I'm so excited. Daniel's older than Ricky. But Ricky's discipling Daniel. Why? Because he's just a little further in his, in his faith. You've been a believer for just a short amount of time, but there's always someone who's been a believer a shorter amount of time. I, I, I love this one. Uh, Carlo. Do we have the picture of Carlo? Carlo came to Christ on, on an outreach that some of our people did. They were out sharing the gospel. They went into Radio Shack, shared with him, and he gave his life to Jesus. But Carlo didn't say, you know, I've got to go to church for the next 10 years. I've got to listen to 80,000 podcasts. Then I'm going to go to Bible college. Then I'm going to go to seminary. And then I'm going to start doing this. Carlo just said, no, this is just, this is what Jesus said to, to his followers. So I'm going to do it. So Carlo ends up bringing his friend Cameron to church. Cameron gets, comes to Christ last semester. Okay. So what does Carlo do? Well, I'm going to give him to a professional. No, Carlo goes, I am going to do the work of the ministry. I'm going to make disciples. And so Carlo starts discipling Cameron. Well, this is what I love. Two weeks ago, they come up to talk to me after the service, and Cameron goes, got my first disciple. Now, that's Carlo to Cameron. Cameron's a brand new believer. Cameron has his first disciple, and then they look at me and go, that's three generations. We're almost to four. They're like, we're about to do this thing. <laughs> you guys are amazing. This is 2 Timothy 2, 2, right before our very eyes. You're never too young. You're never too old. You never have too many babies strapped on your back. You, you're never too busy. You can do this. You're never too new in the Lord. This is for everyone. Who can make disciples? How about I can? Who can make disciples? Who can make disciples? Like, there's a few of you on this side that didn't say that. Who can make disciples? There we go. You can make disciples. You can do this. Now, let me just, one more thing, one, one more quick thing. Because there's a few people in this room that are like, seriously, the sheet, you're making me feel so boxed in right now. Like, I feel so confined because I'm going to do things in my own way because I'm like more artistic. I love you. I really do. Like, I am more artistic. I write songs. I write musicals. Like, I, I write books. I, I understand. I, I went into a training school the other day, and I said, who is like this? Who wants to be given a big challenge, but then not be told, like, what their job description is and not be given instructions? And I raised my hand. I'm like, that's me. Like, don't tell me what my job is. Don't, don't put a role on me. Like, let me figure it out, and let me figure out the rules. Like, I want to play by my own rules. I said, who's like that? There were like several hands that went up. Then I said, who wants a challenge? And then said, and this is your job on the team, and this is how you do it. Here's the instruction. All the hands go up. Guys, that's why we're doing this. Is because the majority of people, the majority of people in this room, you're saying, I want to do this, Robert. I want to make disciples. I want to obey Jesus. Just show me how. And that's why we have this. Let me just tell you, for all you artists that are like me, this is only going to take you 20 minutes. And then you have the rest of your hour meeting with someone to do whatever you want. Like, you can stand on your head. You can finger paint. Like, whatever is in your artistic heart, 
you do it. Knock yourself out. But just, but my question is this. Is what you've been doing making disciples that make disciples that make disciples? And that's why we have this reproducible tool. Let me just uh, end with this. I know we're running a little late. Someone came up to me after the first service and said, hey, I just figured out, this is my discipleship projection. Uh, on a low day, All People's Church has 1,100 people in it. If all 1,100 people just discipled five different people and taught them to disciple five people, they said just in 10 generations, like not 10 decades, just in 10 times of that happening, would reach 10 billion, 742 million, 187,500 people. He said, we'd almost be able to reach the world twice. He said, we'd be able to do it by the end of the year. <laughs> this isn't hard. It's just, are we gonna do it? Let's stand up. Prayer team, come on up. You're just saying, I want to make disciples, then just do it. Just go this week, find someone. Let me also tell you, in your, in your life groups this week, if you're saying, I want to be discipled, just show up in a life group. They're starting discipleship groups in life group this week. You can make disciples. Someone asked me last service, do I have to be disciple to make disciples? No. Just take this sheet and start. Find someone a little less far in their faith and pour into them. If you want someone to pray for you this morning to make disciples, come forward. If you need to give your life to Jesus this morning, come forward. We'll pray with you. If you've got a sickness or an ailment in your body, come forward. We'll lay hands on you and pray for you. Don't leave here without getting your need met or at least giving us a chance to pray for it. God bless you. Let's sing one last song to finish our time.